Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years' experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. When I was a youth pastor, same thing. So many youth were said, rather than have a small youth group of five people that were committed than a group of 80 that were just, you know, all over the place. But I, I don't know. I'd rather have the bigger group <laughs> it's kind of, because those people at least are hearing something. And who knows, you know? You know, I would think with the advent of, of all the tools we have on the internet, that if you were to put on a, um, a four or five week seminar on family formation, or if you did something on how to manage your finances, that was really simple for, you know, you know for, for young people starting out. I do a lot of counseling on, on how to invest money. You know, the young, younger guys are going to want to go in there and go for the hot rod thing that is, you know, it's going to fly high stock wise and then crash and they're going to get burned. And so I, I can show them how to do the tortoise and the hare and, and, and how to, you know, invest slowly. I, I got so many people that want to hear that kind of stuff that to me, a, a church that was uh, putting out uh, the wisdom of Proverbs, you know, the wisdom of the ancient prophets about money or the, the wisdom of the ancients about how to operate your family and, and package it like that and then put it out to your people. I know one guy that does a thing that says, I'm only inviting Christians to this, but you're not allowed in unless you bring a nun or a nun. And they'll bring their friends. You know, it's like, I, I want this. So I'm going to go find somebody else who wants this. And and it becomes an avenue toward evangelism, I, I think, in, in this needy, needy area that we're, era that we're living in. It's, um, there's some wonderful tools out there. Yeah, so many, so many of our young adults right now are having a lot of trouble with family formation. A lot of it has to do with the economic issues you're talking about because of college debt and, and those kinds of things and the cost of housing. And it's been really challenging for them to, uh, to form families. And of course, they've been encouraged too to wait till they're 35 to get married or something or 40 even. And that's tough too. And there's a lot of challenges there with family formation. And I think that uh, helping them with that is a really big deal. So uh, I would totally, totally agree with that. Giving people a chance to, to learn some of those things, meeting the need where it really is. And you talked earlier about the polarization too. I just think this is just my opinion, but I think we have to just try like crazy to stay out of the culture wars. I, I don't think there's any benefit in taking sides in the culture wars. It's just, uh, it's, we end up, be, you look at the Christian left or the Christian right, uh, you end up being a modifier Christian for the noun right, <laughs> noun left. You end up being a sidecar for what's going on. And uh, that can really be damaging. It, it really can. There's so much nasty stuff out there. I'm not talking about being apolitical. There are certain issues that they're just biblical, but still uh, it's, I've had people thank me, uh, especially younger people for staying out of that stuff yeah. and not uh, getting all caught up in the election or all caught up in the vaccination thing or all caught up in one of those things because it just is toxic. Yeah. You end up excluding the other half of the people you could reach. When all of this was going on during the Trump era, 
I'm I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I could never, you know, paddle in one one boat. I, I gotta. I just gotta be apolitical. Uh, and yet, I was really angry at the media and and the the, the slant that uh, of the left. Everything's on the left in in all the media except for Fox News. And I can't believe half of what's on Fox News. But it was like, you know, we we were seeing the rioting in the cities that suddenly went away after the election. Uh, we're seeing all of the upset over police shootings. There's still police shootings of black people going on, but now we're not making a big deal of it. And it was like, I, and so I wasn't pro-Trump. I was anti what's going on in the stinking media. And I, and I, I made a mistake. I, I let my feelings be out there on Facebook. Well, one of the guys that I've had a lot of influence in his life over a long, long time, uh, he he took what I was doing, and I think I was the I I was the bad boy here. I set the bad example, and he brought it into church, and so he started saying stuff, and he didn't catch that I was anti-media. He thought I was pro-Trump, and so and apparently he was pro-Trump, and he started preaching it from the pulpit. And the sad story is a man, I, there, there's a woman that I've known since I moved to Hawaii, probably in the first three months that we were there, she started coming to our church. And it took about 25, 26 years before her husband showed up in Alpha and he accepted Christ in Alpha. He was the first convert in an Alpha group that we had in our church. And we became really good friends. We traveled to Europe together, big groups. We'd take groups from our church to, you know, people in Hawaii travel to Disneyland or Las Vegas. That's the world. And so uh, we'd had a wonderful experience in Europe. We thought we got to do this with our church. So we started taking every two years, we'd take a bunch of people. And sometimes it got to be like 70 people. We'd, we'd do these bus tours and all that. So these folks were, were with us, really, really, really with us. And now they're with this church planter who's my friend, and but they're Democrats. And he gets up and starts pumping Trump. They were the largest givers in the church, and now they're not going to church at all. The, the husband was so frustrated with what this pastor did. And, and, and what you just said, when we're hyphenated Christians, you know, we're Christian right or Christian left, we are only a modifier to the right or the left. We're, we're not the main frame anymore. And we've got to come back to right. focus, be who we are because of who we are, not because of what somebody else believes. Absolutely. Jesus Christ has to be the center of the whole thing. And I know that sounds all pious and stuff, but it's just true. It, it just has to be central. And we outlive all this stuff. Uh, empires come, empires go ideologies come, ideologies go, whole languages come, and the language we're speaking didn't exist when the Bible was written. Uh, these things come and go, and we're going to be here long after all this stuff is around. Uh, the church, uh, Jesus says the gates of hell don't uh, prevail against the church, and that's proven to be true for 2,000 years. We've gone through good times and bad times, but we, we are the most resilient institution on the face of the earth, and we don't have to play um, acolyte or follower to any of these movements. Yeah. Uh, we can take the good out of each whatever movement we're looking at and spit out the bad or whatever, but we don't have to be subservient to any of them. I think yeah. that's really important. Yeah. Really is. 
you know, you have a, a, a bigger view of the world than a lot of people because of your education. Uh, uh, I mean, your, your education is, is pretty impressive. And I, I'd like you to, to kind of speak of it a little bit. And, you know, I know you don't like to blow smoke about it, but, but tell us about, you know, your experience, where, where you've been, and, and then how that shaped what you just said about, about the, the, the historical church that will be here long after we're gone. Um, take us back a few years to, to young David Householder and, and, and bring us up. I, I was really blessed to, I'm really blessed to be a person with a Chevy brain and a Rolls Royce education, which I think is a great combination. Uh, just all the doors opened at all the right times. And I was blessed with fantastic uh, mentors, teachers, and it was just a great experience. I, I married to someone from Holland. I studied, did grad school in Germany. In seminary in Chicago, I was the research assistant to Frederick Danker, who wrote the big lexicon of Greek-English um, New Testament stuff. And now I'm translating, I'm helping translate books of the Bible for the New Passion Translation. So uh, I've been working on, I finished working on Daniel, Hosea, and Lamentations. Now I'm working on um, Amos. And uh, it's just a real blessing. The biblical languages have helped me a lot. Uh, I don't think it's necessary to know the biblical languages to be a great church uh, leader, a great pastor. I really don't. It's just a real fun, great thing to have. And it's, it really has anchored me in the spirituality of what's going on with the Bible people. Uh, Hebrew spirituality, which Jesus was the main, he was the main proponent of this whole worldview. We've, we've sort of shrunk the gospel down to a get out of free card if you uh, check this little box on the software thing. And we don't really look at the magnitude of the worldview that he was teaching, that uh, there's this thing called Malkuth, which is kingdom in Hebrew. And uh, its it source is Abba. He called the source Abba, Father. And uh, we have access to it. And basically, most of his ministry was showing all his parables. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom's like that. Uh, this is how God runs the universe, and you you are a big part of this. And this is something I think charismatic and Pentecostal Christians have an instinct for, but they can't articulate. They, they have a sense that we have access to this power. And I think that that's a very important part of evangelism. And I think that uh, the Alpha Force picks up on some of that in a real civilized sort of way. It's not crazy, but it picks up on that encounter with uh, that transformative encounter with the living God that changes your worldview. It's not just saying okay, my sins are forgiven, so I'm going to heaven, which is true, but that's not the core of the gospel. The core of the gospel is you're created in God's image. You are a, a pivotal part of all creation. You're the, you're the, you're the toggle between uh, God and, and creation in the physical world, and uh, we lay hands on people and pray over them, and things happen. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's a very yeah. exciting worldview, and, uh, and by the way, uh, uh, when you tap into this power, you uh, you can do things like walk out of graves like Jesus did. There's <laughs> this is, death doesn't have to be a big deal. That's kind of that's, that's pretty big. Uh, so we've sort of shrunk the gospel down into this miniaturized little phrase, and that's unfortunate. And my education gave me access to this whole spirituality that Jesus has, the Aramaic underneath the Greek. Uh, the New Testament, and it's it's phenomenal. It's it's world changing. It's uh, it's fantastic, fantastic stuff. It helps the scriptures come alive, 
And you start to see, plus, when you look at church history, you look at Martin Luther, we just celebrated the Reformation this last weekend, 504 years, whatever. Talk about jumping on technology. Uh, holy smokes. Uh, he covered Europe with pamphlets and everything else. And, and uh, it was a massive, uh, a massive uh, transformation of the whole world. Uh, Martin Luther didn't just do theology. He transformed, basically, he basically pulled the cork on the medieval world and, and let the modern world start to take, take shape, which was huge, just absolutely huge. And I look at the church historically. The church hasn't always been doing great, even in, even in America. We hit this high point in the 50s and 60s. But there's been lots of low points in American history, too. But the church has always come back. It's always come back with the most creativity of any institution, the most resilience, because we have access to that power I was talking about. We have access to the power that uh, runs the universe. And that's exactly the opposite of what our schools are teaching people. Uh, we're just insignificant, uh, random collections of atoms that happen to be out on the edge of the universe. Uh, that's not what the Bible teaches us. Yeah. And no wonder young people are all over-medicated and everything else. They, they, they've been fed this, you know, uh, mechanistic worldview, which has no spirituality to it. And then the church, when it's not spiritual, just gives them a little theology, a little flow chart of how you can uh, go to heaven someday. And it doesn't change their worldview. But I, I do think that a relationship with Jesus can change your whole worldview. And also, not just having a relationship with him, his teaching. That's where content has to be a part of it. Jesus' teaching, the most brilliant teacher ever walked the earth. He can create a parable, which is a theater in your mind, that if you hear it once, you'll remember it the rest of your life, and you can teach it. It's, that is, that's never been done before. I mean, his teaching is, it, it just, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing like it. And so, in fact, I've got a, I've got a Muslim accountant and this, I got to tell you the story. Uh, you can always edit all this stuff out. If you want. <laughs> but this Muslim accountant, um, he, I was talking to him about my taxes, and he had this alarm go off on his computer. He's, I said, well, what's that? He said, oh, it's, it's my prayer call thing. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll do that when you're gone. And he had a little rug on the, in the corner. I said, is that the rug you use for prayer? He says, yeah. And there was a life application study Bible there. And I said, are you a Muslim? He says, yeah. He says, well, where'd you get that? He says, got it from my daughter. I says, well, your daughter's a Christian? He says, yeah. And I said, well, how'd that happen? Well, I sent her to a Catholic high school because I didn't want her to be an atheist. So, <laughs> so she, she became a Christian at a Catholic high school, gave him a life application study Bible. They said, how do you use it? I said, well, I've got one at home now too. He said, I read one of the Jesus stories when I'm praying and he keeps talking to me when I'm praying. Ah. And then he says, do you know you know that Jesus heals? I said, yeah, I know that. <laughs> he says, I tried it and it works, he says. And then he says, um, and, uh, yeah, he's, it's just fascinating. And I said, you do this five times a day? He says, yeah, it's fantastic. Said, do you ever read the Quran? He says, no, there's no storyline to it. And I'm just thinking that's the power of Jesus' stories. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's not just a little bit of a, a Christian. He's, he doesn't maybe use that word, but I wish my members prayed five times a day and had Jesus talk to them. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. So, but that's the power of, of the of the content of Jesus' teaching. Oh. It's it, it's just it's got breath to it. it. It's fantastic. And it and it goes beyond teaching. 
into encounter. I, I mean, yeah. one, one of the things that we're realizing is we've lost the balance of the word and the spirit. You know, it, it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of like the word and pop psychology is what we've offered in church for a long time. You know, uh, teaching light and and then we've secularized it. It, it. We're not, you know, I grew up in the Pentecostal world and I saw a lot of the, the problem, I think, in, in the, the, the classical Pentecostal churches was that they centralized the miraculous in terms of they brought it up front and put it on a platform where there was a speaker. And if you, if you think about it, even our whole way of doing church where the people sit in rows and there's a guy in the center talking, that comes back from the Whitfield and Wesleyan revivals from a time where people didn't have Bibles. And one guy pointed out the other night that John Wesley was giving away New Testaments. That would be like giving somebody a, a, a MacBook Pro or an iPad yeah. today because they couldn't afford that. But a lot of people couldn't read. So somebody needed to stand up, read from the Bible, and explain what it meant to people who had no, no Bibles or they couldn't read the Bible if they had one. And we've kind of stuck in that. Well, then when the Pentecostal revivals broke out, strong miracles were happening. I mean, I grew up in a church where I, the miraculous was quite familiar. It was real. But then I, I, my church was sane and Pentecostal. But then I got involved with these charismatic Pentecostal people who are a little bit nutto. And, 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 and a lot of it happened when, when you got these traveling Bible teachers who got a gimmick and they, and they want to pray for people in front of an audience of 500 people. And that's when the falling down and the, and you, you know, the, the, the pushing, I remember a guy, we actually had a guy in our church in Hawaii come and he would, he would take his finger and, 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 and touch you. Like, you know, people lay hands on and pray because that's biblical and he's going to pray for you. And, and he just starts pushing you and you get your head far enough back. You're going to fall down. And so we just challenged him. Don't do that anymore. Just pray for people. Lay your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. Well, nobody fell down anymore. And it's like, we're not putting up with this goofy in our church, but the goofy happened. And so we secularized the church. Let's get away from the goofy. And, and we got away from the miraculous. And this happened across the, the board. I, I just talked to a guy who's, uh, his whole education is reformed. Um, he he he's, you know, his, his denominational history doesn't really even believe in the miraculous, but they're experiencing the the miraculous in their church. But he's going, you know, we we sometimes we swing toward the spiritual, and then the pendulum swings back toward the word, and he goes that that's a natural that has to happen uh, if if we're going to stay healthy. We we can't ever be static. We, we're, you know, there's times we just really got to focus on the word because the people in our church are new and they, they need a, you know, the support of a lot of the word. But then there's times when we need to venture more into the spirit because we got dry. And I think that learning this balance is crucial right. in this era, this world that we live in today. Oh, it does. It's a, it has to, everything can be described like a bowling alley. There's gutters. On both sides, and the easiest thing to do in bowling is throw a gutter ball. It's it's you can do it 100 percent of the time, 
but keeping the ball on the wood, just hitting a few pins, you don't have to get a strike, but just hit a few pins, you know, just, just keep out of those gutters of craziness on one side and just dry theology on the other. And uh, you can do really, really well. It, you can, and you don't have to hit all the pins, hit a couple pins. Somebody also hit another few pins and, and we'll get there eventually, but that balance is hard to maintain. Yeah, because we get into patterns of, of doing things and certain denominations encourage those patterns and reinforce those patterns and they tend to be one of the other gutter and uh, real creative church planters tend to have a sense for keeping it in the middle yeah but it is challenging because you get to, especially when you got a small church and you're starting out you get these these uh, highly opinionated people show up and they they think oh here's a little church i can i can uh, i can throw my weight around in here and they try to influence you one way or another. And I, when I was a young pastor, that was, I didn't know what to do with that, yeah. but uh, I've learned how to handle that. That's challenging for, for church planners. That happened to me when we were first starting out, um, you know, some guy who, you know, maybe sells insurance or something. He's got a lot more money than me and he'll show up. I love this church this is the most wonderful church in the world. And then he takes my wife and I out to, to lunch someplace we can't afford to go and then he drops the hammer why do you do this why do you do it and he wants to to shape the life of the church and i just learned that these people prey on brand new churches and and we learned that then how to deal with it and we also schooled our church partners yep. in how to resist those people and um you know i would always greet people at the back door on the way out of church and and I found that the people who told me on their first day there, this is the church I love, I found heaven, all that, they're probably not going to be with us for more than about three weeks. And I and I just learned that you, you don't <laughs> you don't go with those folks and you, you do what you gotta do. Um talk to me a little bit yeah. about are you guys doing alpha uh because anybody can go online now where I used to, have to pay $375 for an alpha course. It's free, right? Yeah, it's, it's free. The alpha course costs nothing. And I was on the alpha board for years. That was always challenging. How do you come up with a business model for this thing? How do, how do we work that? How do we sell material? Well, then there came the internet and everything's out there for free. And so they basically went with free and then they just look for, for donors around the world to, to help uh, subsidize that. They've got a film series now, which is Hollywood quality. My guess is Bear Grylls, who's a friend of the of that whole movement, has probably connected them with some pretty serious film people. But the Alpha Course now is put into film form with fantastic animation and testimonies and all kinds of things. It's called the Alpha Film Series. That's what we use for Zoom. And with Zoom, is fantastic. What you do is you just, you've got the whole big group there. And then you greet everybody and say hi and find out where everybody's from. And then you show the video to everybody. And then you press a button and they all go into groups, which is fascinating. Uh, and then you bring them back at the end and, and do a little de debriefing. And so that works out really, really well. It, uh, they, they filmed this thing before the pandemic, just before the pandemic. But uh, it's, it's, it's a couple of young people that go all around the world. They film in Hong Kong, Vancouver, London, New York, uh, Israel. And it's so well done. Uh, I used to teach the course live. I they've passed me. I can't, I can't teach it at that level. Yeah. And so it's, it's really amazing. Just another little insight about the multicultural thing. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.